Happy holidays from the Inglert Theater. We're back with another rerun, our last before we're back with new content next week. For this episode, we hope you enjoy our full conversation with burlesque artists Moxie Hart and Caddy Wampus. But first, a word from our sponsors. For your investment and financial planning needs, Ross and Ryland DeLavoy of MidAmerica Securities Management are here to help. You can find Ross and Ryland at the Chauncey Building in downtown Iowa City. They can also be found online at midamericasecurities.com or by calling 319-337-9842 for more information. Securities and advisory services offered through Nations Financial Group, member FINRA slash SIPC, a registered investment advisor. We chatted with Moxie Hart and Caddy Wampus a couple months ago for episode 20. To remind you, they are the co-founders of Body Body Haha, a burlesque troupe based in Iowa City. When they're not performing, Moxie works in the human services field and Caddy is a PhD student in Chicago. Thank you two so much for joining us today. I'm really excited because this is an art form I don't know a lot about, but I'm very interesting or interested in learning more about it. So thank you two for being here. Um, right off the bizat, can you tell us just a little bit about what burlesque is and what drew you to it? And anyone can yeah. <laughs> Moxie, I think that you are such a pro at defining this art form, and I think you should go first. That's very generous. Uh, okay. <laughs> what I usually say about, you know, what is burlesque uh, on the outside, historically, burlesque is a truly American art form um, invented in the United States, specifically for working class persons. Uh to, to give them variety entertainment, theater experience, a place to go after work. Um, yeah, and it was something that's just been around since the late 1800s through, I believe, the 60s, a little bit of the 70s, but the 60s, and then we cut off. And then in the 90s, it started up again, uh, uh, and we're more current now. But um, so traditionally, it is... <laughs> it is striptease. It is uh, a lot of people liken it to club stripping or being a stripper. I'm doing air quotes. You can't see me. <laughs> um, and it is stripping. Mm -hmm. The way we think about burlesque now is very different than how it was thought about um, back in the heyday. So the 30s through the 50s. A burlesque dancer was what we would know today as a club stripper. That's, that's how we would think about them. But uh, it has evolved um, into a storytelling medium. And it, it started out that way, but that was kind of their way to get into mm, showcasing the bodies of women, frankly. So go ahead, Caddy. Do you have anything else to add to that? Yeah. Well, I would just say that, you know, I think that... Um, it also is a very queer art form, um, which might strike people as interesting, uh, but I see it as um, a space for queer performance art. Um, I think that queer people in particular, although you know all, all people are welcome and do and do participate, I think that queer people in particular find a, um, it extremely empowering to display their body the way that they want to um, in a public forum. And so 
you know, I think that it's been kind of understudied why this would be such a popular performance for um, for queer people to participate in. But I have definitely anecdotally observed that. And I think that it's really fascinating. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. I think we think of when we think of the queer community and performance, we think a lot of drag. Um, but we have queer icons that have been in burlesque since, I mean, since burlesque was a thing, since it started. Yeah. It's sort of my impression, too, that it is like I know some part of the word of burlesque, like its origins were about like a joke or comedy or like Mm -hmm. it's kind of like a punk, like poking fun at society was a little bit of like the OG, which I love. Yes. Yes. So so burlesque, the root of it, um, I believe I didn't bring it with me and I should have, but I believe it's Berlioz. It comes from, the root word anyways is Italian and it literally means to satire. Mm. So the word itself, burlesque, is to satire, just period. Yeah. Okay. And then using that as your framework, well, what do you satire? Well, everything that's going on around you. (laughs) The human experience. Yeah. And that's where like that storytelling like you said, that comes in. So yeah, there's like, it seems like there's a lot because there is, you know, the, the displaying of the body, but there's also uh, music involved and dancing. And there can be like, I don't like other odds and ends things like almost like vaudeville too, like mm-hmm. different kinds of um, performances. I was trying to YouTube today, you know, there was a burlesque performance where it was like, tap dancing and sword swallowing and it was like <laughs> a character as well so lots of fun to be had there yeah yes i think that's something that caddy and i both enjoy is just the amount of diversity in in expression that you can have in burlesque which is i think why i anyway like to say anyone can do burlesque because there's something in it for any person and they can contribute really anything yeah okay so can you talk about what body body haha is and the creation of that yeah this i'm going to turn over to caddy because you (laughs) say this very very eloquently oh that's sweet um well (laughs) here's the eloquence i tricked moxie i tricked her into (laughs) into creating this (laughs) Uh, she did she did uh like many people uh in burlesque and outside of it i have had imposter syndrome and so i had this seedling of an idea and didn't really think a whole lot about it but caddy did so she tricked me Yes. Well, I just, you know, I really, I really believed in Moxie. Moxie is someone who I believe in wholeheartedly. They are my dear friend. And um, we got started together in a different burlesque troupe that existed a a couple years ago called the Heartland Bombshells. Um, But when the leader of that troupe uh, moved away, a couple of uh, different burlesque troops were formed in Iowa City and I um, I felt that it was like the perfect time for Moxie to assert herself as a leader in this art form in this community. And so even though I knew that I would not be staying in Iowa City long term, um, I just I'm in academia. So like God knows where I'm going to be. I knew that I could like help her help them f- facilitate this um you know, this, this organization. And then 
you know, kind of phase myself out. And as it turns out, I really love it and do not intend to phase myself out. <laughs> In general, body, body, ha ha, that we, we wanted to create a space where we could highlight the best performers around the Midwest, both in burlesque and kind of like looking towards a more general variety show. And mm -hmm. we're definitely, you know, we're inspired by our vaudevillian roots. We're very inspired by the history of burlesque and we want to honor the history of burlesque and all of the performers who came before us. Um, but we also want to look for the future, you know, look towards the future and, um, push, push where burlesque is, make sure it's as inclusive as possible. Um, you know, highlighting the diversity that is here in the Midwest and um, just creating the best goddamn show you've ever seen. That's kind of our, our goal. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. If I'm going to jump on that. Yeah. Our goal is always, we want people while they're there to just feel like you are in this and you're having this incredible experience and all of you in the room are having it together and you are for that night. This is your community. Mm. And so far, I hope, think we've been successful <laughs> on that. Um, but yeah, we, it's kind of funny, Katie, as you were talking, I was thinking of this. We started initially thinking, well, let's just look at Iowa City. Let's look at the Iowa City area and, and look at this for, you know, the acts that we're looking for, the people that we're looking for to be in our shows. And then just as we've continued, we've, our focus and our scope has just grown to yeah. include more and more of the Midwest, which has been really exciting for us. Yeah. And I'm sure just the connectedness of society today just makes it a lot easier to tap into different acts and groups from all over. Um, I want to go back to something that was talked about a little bit. I'm wondering what effect um, burlesque performance has on your day-to-day -day lives, as y'all have been saying, your muggle lives, which I love that, that <laughs> but how, how do you feel, um, it affects just your whole person? I actually, it's so funny. I talk, I talk in therapy all the time about burlesque <laughs> because you know my my therapist always asked me like how did you come to like resolve your feelings around that thing or how did you come to feel so calm about this difficult thing and the answer is often burlesque it gives me both a connection to my body um and it's different than it's, it's interesting, like definitely like exercise is a component of it, as in like, I have become a better dancer through burlesque. And I do think that that has made me feel more embodied and strong. And all those things are really positive. But it is actually the component where I am strong in my body on stage in front of people that makes the difference for me, because I have to own every part of me, I can't be on stage thinking to myself, God, like, I hope these people don't see my like stretch marks on my stomach. I have to be like, I fucking own these stretch marks. You're going to look at them and you're going to like them. And I like, and that's because of who I am and, and my ability to like, um, to emote to you and, and to show you how much I love myself. Um, and that's actually a, a quote that I heard about burlesque pretty, pretty recently was that burlesque is 
allowing other people to to watch you fall in love with yourself. And I thought that that was wow. so beautiful. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Do you remember where you heard that? I'm just curious. It was someplace called the internet. Um, oh, you know, I've heard of it. I'm pretty old, so... Okay. Yeah, yeah. Before I found burlesque, I um, had a lot of problems with dissociation. I had a lot of problems with um, disordered eating. And um, I, I spent a lot of time uh, hating myself and feeling feeling really down about um, who I was and that people had to see me and that I had to be in the world and that people would look at me. Like all of that was very heavy. Um, and I think that I was like using that as an outlet to not think about some of the things that were actually causing those feelings. You know what I mean? It's much easier to, to look at your body and say, this is the problem. Um, but burlesque allowed me to feel good about my body and then gave me kind of the power to turn towards those things that really were the source of, of my pain. Uh, and I would, I truly say for myself that it, it revolutionized me. Like I am, I am a, a much healthier person than I was, uh, before I discovered it. Damn, I'm getting like emotional over here. <laughs> That's so powerful. Yeah. I'm, like, knows me, I'm very emotional. And I'm like, I'm not fine. <laughs> <laughs> that is powerful. I, I think, um, and I'm sure this is true of a lot of art forms, but for this one specifically, just like an outsider perspective, I don't think we really tap into, um, I guess, the spiritualness of it, you know, I, I think it more, it just comes off as like a fun, you know, extravaganza showing off, you know, but the, the physical and the psychological um, aspects of, of what can happen uh, as a performer and as an audience member, like spectating is really powerful. And I feel like, yeah, just as a, a lay person to, burlesque I think that's really interesting and wish it was I don't know talk about more I don't know I I applaud Caddy your again your eloquence and being able to be so clear on that it's just beautiful um but yeah Ellie if we're doing our job right on stage uh no matter what level a performer is in burlesque uh that is what you should be leaving the experience with of I had one hell of a good time mm -hmm. uh you don't necessarily it's not really meant to see all of that behind the scenes, what's going on with that individual. Um, and this is actually something that's hotly contested within the performer community of if burlesque is intended to be therapy uh, mm. for the performer or not. And if that even matters, which is something we can definitely come back to. Um, I recently told our group that I think it's a load of bullshit when Burlesque performers, and they like to say that, no, it's, it, you know, people aren't paying or buying a ticket to come in and see you work through, you know, your issues. So you need to not go there. Like, don't tap into that place. Don't bring that to the stage. Don't, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And I think where Caddy and I differ on from <laughs> the mainstream burlesque community is that we believe, um, correct me if I'm wrong here, but, but, or maybe I should say I believe that side those those shadow parts of us those parts that we struggle with that we are that we are afraid of that we are intimidated by that we wish we could just shove away um those are actually what make powerful performers and interesting stories 
So, um, so I'm going to circle around. So the, you know, everything that Caddy brought up is how I feel as well <laughs> that burlesque has done for me or how it influences my life. Uh, but I have a hard time now thinking of myself outside of burlesque or rather apart from it in any way. It's it just become my life. Um, more of that mindset and kind of ideology, not so much, you know, uh, our shows are, are quarterly. And so, you know, we're not performing every weekend or three times a week, like a lot of people are, but it's impacted my psychology so greatly that I'm just thinking of it every day. Uh, in that way, it's helped me redefine myself as well. I, you know, prior to burlesque, you know, like many, I am a survivor of, of things and had a lot of chronic anxiety, agoraphobia, could not leave my home. Um, yeah, absolutely hating myself and just second guessing myself so much to the point that I would incapacitate myself, you know? Um, so really being like being a prisoner of my own, that own shadow side and slowly through burlesque, I have been able to kind of peel back some of those layers, investigate some of those things as I feel ready, which makes me feel very powerful. And what I like to, how I like to think of it is when you're creating a story, a burlesque story or an act, or just exploring that body movement, you know, that's time where I get to show up in the world exactly as I choose. I get to choose my context and not only choose it, I get to create it which is very different than walking outside of my door into my everyday life. I do have the ability to choose that in specific ways, but not as, not as in total create that world. And um, it's been a really, it's been a really healing ground to just flex that power and get to know it for my own self. So. We'll be right back with the rest of our conversation with Moxie and Caddy after a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you in part by Taxes Plus. Tax season comes and goes, but Taxes Plus does so much more. They offer bookkeeping and payroll services for small businesses and tax preparation for partnerships, corporations, and trusts. Their small and dedicated team is proud to stay on the leading edge of ever-changing tax laws. Bring your questions to their seasoned team members and expect a warm and informed response. Learn more at taxesplusiowacity.com. Certainly, it sounds like, you know, internally it is detachable from yourself. But um, when we were not recording for a second there, we sort of got into a little bit of the subject of halving because of the sort of social taboo of burlesque, having to separate um, your performer self from your everyday muggle self and you know I've I think it's really unfortunate especially when it it is coming to like queer art forms or you know yeah I I've, I have friends who you know can't go to work and use the pronouns that they feel are appropriate for themselves because you know they're afraid of the repercussions or the way they'll be perceived at their workplace and I don't know I guess do you see us moving towards a future where burlesque is more wholly embraced in society and you know there's more of a comfortability of presenting the exact way you want to in society or 
I don't know. That's kind of a big one, but I just... It's definitely my my hope. <laughs> I'm an optimist to the end, so I will say yes to that. Um, as far as body body haha and and the way that we've designed it and the way you know the reason I think we keep coming back to it and and why we're excited to continue with it even during this very unsure time of a pandemic um, is you know we've from day one we said this isn't going to be only burlesque as people know it. Um, again, going back to those roots of vaudeville, um, having a more diversified type of entertainment within our shows, um, I think is what's going to bring it more into the mainstream, honestly, um, just because there is so much of that puritanical consciousness frame, you know, framing and enforcing everything. Um, even in our little hamlet here of Iowa City. Uh, so... And I think, but I think also to that, it's really healthy to show the body in context with other art forms because, you know, my question is always, are they that different? Mm -hmm. But yeah. Go ahead, Kim. <laughs> well, I was just going to, you know, immediately I thought about the Supreme Court, Ellie, when you said that. And it, you know, I, and, what? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I I don't want to. I don't even want to think about that. <laughs> that speaking of heavy, you know, but I do. I think in spite of that, like I truly feel that that um, that our government represents such a small portion of our country and our country's beliefs, um, and especially when it comes to oppressing women and other people who need their reproductive rights protected, like that represents such a small portion of the country. Despite our government taking such a depressing backwards turn, I also agree with Moxie that I feel hopeful that people will continue to um, accept burlesque dancers that they won't, there won't have to be such a fear of keeping our lives separate in the way that Moxie was talking about. I also wanted to bring up that I think that another way that um, burlesque dancers will find more acceptance in society is if we work harder. And by we, I mean burlesque performers and I mean everyone listening to this podcast if we work harder to protect the most vulnerable people in our society who are sex workers, who are club strippers, who are, you know, all kinds of sex workers and particularly black trans sex workers, um, that will then create more acceptance for everyone. So I am a big advocate for helping out the most vulnerable, um, you know, the most vulnerable sector of our population. And I think that that will be the key to creating more safety um, for all people who are involved in, you know, working, working with our bodies in all of these myriad ways. Mm -hmm. Right on. And to, I mean, cause I have to do this. I'm the, I'm the history nut out of the two of us. Um, you know, oddly enough, we're not in that different of a position as we have been at other times in history, as far as just those who perform with the body and who are a part of groups that are not uh, always favorably looked upon. Um, you know, I mean, cabaret entertainment, very closely related to burlesque, was happening during Weimar Berlin, you know, very much underground. I mean, burlesque and associated art forms has really kind of always existed. 
and because there are always those of us who are seeking expression, community, validation, our, our human rights. <laughs> and um, But modern burlesque has roots also in, um, you know, the freak show, uh, fair entertainment, um, oddities, all of these things. So these ideas of looking at someone who is not like me and maybe it is is dubbed unusual yeah um so i know i think about that a lot that it's it's a refuge for a lot of us and and hopefully in that way it'll continue but caddy's absolutely right yeah totally um so i want to talk about the way the pandemic has affected you as artists um sort of mentioned um well i'll let you i'll let y'all take it away how has the pandemic <laughs> y'all your your true oh. your artistry where we are yeah. <laughs> it's uh it's heart it's heartbreaking it's heartbreaking um if you notice we were really polite to answer you know wait for the other to speak for the other questions in this one we're like oh I <laughs> 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 um god it's, you know, it's heartbreaking for everybody, but I think, I mean, I'm just gonna be real. It's, it's absolutely shitty. Um, it has taken everything, you know, we flourish, uh, live, you know, as live entertainers and going online is, it, it's not what any of us want really. Um, for us specifically, we have, have really struggled to find a home venue within the Iowa City area, and we have many entertaining stories <laughs> um, about some real Hail Mary passes we've had to make and, and you know, late night, a lot of late night sessions of, is this show even going to happen, you know, and then one one person saying, yes, I want you, you know, made, made hundreds of people happy. But... Um, we were finally able to, our, our last show was what, Caddy? Valentine's Day, right? Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day, uh, 2020. And it was our first year anniversary. We were very excited, lovely. Um, we had one hell of a good time. We were at the mill. We sold out. We had a line around the block. We were so proud of everybody, so thrilled. Um, and we were able to prove to them we were worth backing and they offered us a spot to, to be our home venue. And we were just overjoyed. I mean, overjoyed. Um, and as many know, and probably everybody listening to this, you know, the mill unfortunately is no longer a thing, but so that means we also no longer have a venue or a home. So that for me right now has been the biggest, the biggest challenge and heartache, but yeah, I'm sure yeah. Patty has similar. We, yeah, we, that was what I was going to say too, right away was just that we finally found someone who, who like a, a venue that believed in us and that saw our value. And then now they're just, they're just flat out gone. Um, and we don't even, I mean, I, and I think this is the uncertainty that people are feeling all across the country is like, you know, our, our, our dear homes, you know, dive bars, <laughs> tiny black box theaters. These are all the, the, the places that are, that are closing um, perhaps for good a, across the country. So um, it's, we're, we're struggling to find 
how we can exist now on the internet since we are just we're just such a live art form it just doesn't it doesn't work online we're gonna we're gonna try we're gonna do a little valentine's day show thing we hope people come to it but like um that'll just be a tide a tiding us over thing but then to also look to post post pandemic and not know if we will have somewhere to perform is devastating Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we've we've had a We've had quite a few individuals who we've worked with who are lovely, amazing people, very talented artists who have moved on because, you know, because of the uncertainty. And so, you know, whether that be moved to different physical locations or just said, hey, I'd love to keep working with you guys. But since things are so up in the air, I can't really, you know, keep coming to practice. And, you know, we we understand, but it it has had, I think, more ramifications than we realized it would. Uh, Great coaching. And. Yeah. Yeah. I think to go along with what Caddy is saying, you know, I, it's really galvanized for me, my belief in independent business, independent local business being so important um, and forming community around that because, you know, what we're seeing right now is so many of those are closing or, or falling on hard times uh, and the places that are able to stay around have more either institutional funding or something like that. And not that that's necessarily wrong, but we all get such great value out of our local you know, our local bars or restaurants or venues, you know, and then the entertainers who come there. So it's really important, I think, for all of us to just keep thinking about what kind of community do we want to have going forward. Um, and I think we could definitely work to be intentional about that. And I think maybe then it'll be okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Certainly, yeah, destabilizing seems to be the underlying motif here just not not having the home base you know everyone's moving about trying to just hang on to their own sanity for dear life like yeah i i do think community um yeah community centeredness will be more on the forefront of our minds like moving forward like this entire time this entire podcast i've just been like i wish i went to that i wish i went to that I wish I went to more theater shows like next time around when I have the chance, I'm going to all of them. Um, And I feel like a lot of people are probably going to be in a similar boat. Um, But how right now can us listeners, your community, how can we support body haha in this moment? COVID times. Mm -hmm. I would say we have two main ways we can be supported. Um, One of them is that if anyone listening is interested in burlesque, we have been holding Zoom practice every Friday at 730 for for a while. (laughs) No, let's be honest, since the pandemic started. Yeah, since Mm -hmm. the pandemic, we have never stopped. Our our media presence, if some of you have seen and been like, I don't even know if they're still around. We're here. Um, We've gone a little dormant. Uh, just to conserve our resources. And by that, I mean our energy, but we've never stopped meeting and we never will. Yep, exactly. So if anyone is interested in burlesque, oh, hello, cat. 
If anyone is interested in burlesque and wants to join us, the practices are free. It is there for our sanity and for yours. So if you think think you'd like to join us, there's that. And then also we are going to try to do a live Zoom show for Valentine's Day because we have we have this will be our third Valentine's Day show. We don't want to miss it. It's like our lifeblood. And so um, if you follow us at um, body body ha ha on Instagram and that's B-A-W-D-Y body body ha ha or on Facebook, um, then you will get notified about that. And we would really love for people to turn out. Um, we don't know how it will go. Uh, but I think it will be entertaining, even if it is a shit show. I, you know, I can. I can either way is kind of <laughs> You know, one 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 way the pandemic has changed. You know, us not being able to have live entertainment. One thing we do so well, we do so well, is creating that experience for our our community members. You know, who come to shows. And so, one thing that we love to do is just treat you all like you not only that you matter but to us you are royalty because that is that is the truth you know so so stay tuned because should you tune into the show i'm sure we will find some ways to maybe send some goodies some socially distanced approved safe things out uh, especially to our vips because we will never stop loving y'all yep yep the love goes on indeed well, thank you, too, again, so much for talking today. Um, I'll be looking forward to that show. <laughs> thank you, Ellie. This is wonderful. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, we are so excited. This episode is supported in part by Lensing Funeral Home. Throughout our life, we celebrate many different events. Baptisms, weddings, bar mitzvahs are all happy occasions. The funeral is probably the most important because it's the final rite of passage, an event and celebration to remember and pay tribute to the one we loved. Lensing Funeral has over 100 years of service with two convenient locations in Iowa City and Coralville. Visit Lensing Funeral Home at 605 Kirkwood Avenue in Iowa City, at 210 Holiday Road in Coralville, or online at lensingfuneral.com. Support for this podcast comes from Friends of the Inglert. To learn more, visit inglert.org friends. Ongoing support provided by the National Endowment for the Arts and the Iowa Arts Council, a division of the Iowa Department of Cultural Affairs, and by the United States Regional Arts Resilience Fund. Phase One is an initiative of Arts Midwest and its peer United States Regional Arts Organizations, made possible by the Andrew W. Mellon Foundation.